Worship team, thank you so much. If you're a Christian today, do you know what you have in Jesus Christ? This, this, is, not, this is not just a thing we do on Sundays. This is not just a building or a place we come to. <laughs> we have been ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Everlasting life is ours. We are immortal. We're going to get into that in a minute, though. Let's put that off for just a second. Good morning, everyone. I am... Not Pastor Chris, I am Jonathan Hartland. I am the campus pastor of our uh, Crossroads campus in Greensburg. It is always, always good to, to be with my family here at Fry Farm. And if you are new with us, we at Charter Oak Church are taking all summer to study the biblical book of First John. And when I say study, we are going in-depth, we are taking notes, we are looking at cross-references. By the way, if you don't have a Bible that you can write in and take notes in, please, we got you. We have Bibles you can take in the back. Please take a Bible, study along with us. Pastor Chris is encouraging us actually to memorize the first chapter, to memorize the first chapter of 1 John. Why are we doing this? Why are we going so in-depth? We truly believe that God's word is worth knowing. We, we truly believe that the most important thing that we can do with our lives is to know God's word and do, with it, do what it says. If you are here with us today and you are not yet a Christian, we truly believe that the best thing that you can do with your life is to give it over to Jesus Christ and know God's word and do what it says. So yes, we are studying in-depth scripture. And it's not just about 1 John. 1 John rocks. It is a wonderful biblical book, but this is something that you can take home with you so you can study, not just read, but study God's word every single day at home. As Pastor Chris says all the time, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, study your Bible, study your Bible, study your Bible. And with where we are in the gospel of John today, I'm sorry, in the letter of 1 John, if you're new with us, two different things. The gospel of John is not the letters of John. We have three letters that exist in scripture that were written by the apostle John, that were written a little bit later in life than was the gospel. So today, with where we are in 1 John, John is going to talk to us about family. John's going to talk to us about family. If you don't know me, not only am I the, the, the pastor down at Crossroads in Greensburg, but I'm from Greensburg. It's, this, is, this is my hometown. I love my hometown. I love Greensburg, and it is the most wonderful, beautiful thing that my entire close family worships at Crossroads. Not just my wife and my children, but my parents and my step-parents and my in-laws. We all worship together, and that is a blessing that not many pastors get. I absolutely love it. I don't want to take that for granted. There's one thing that makes worshiping with your, with your family very challenging. There's one thing that makes being the pastor of your family very, very challenging. It, it, it's, it's the fact that I really have to be careful when I tell family stories during the sermon. Do you maybe understand how this, it's, there, I'm really limited in the stories that I can share 
about my family, right? So I, like, I, I can't use a sermon illustration where I say, hey, that one time when I was a teenager, I did this one bad thing because my mother is sitting right there. She's sitting right, and, like, and, and I, I got tired of calling up my mom every week, like, hey, mom, I'm going to share this sermon story. Is, is that okay? And she would tell me, I had no idea you did that. And then that would lead to a whole awkward conversation. So I'd, and I certainly don't want my in-laws knowing some of that stuff that I did. So good news today, you know where my family is? They're at Crossroads. I'm at Fry Farm. I tell whatever story I want. I love it. But, but today, that's not the family that John is talking about. John is not going to talk to us about biological family. What John wants to talk about is a family that, my goodness, is even closer knit, is, 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 is even more important. It's the family of God. What we're going to talk about today, it's the church family. And if you are studying along with us, perhaps you remember how last week what John shared with us is the account of how some people left the family. Do you remember this from last week? There are some people who left the family of God, who left the church family. And so what John is going to present us with today is how to process that. And we are going to go into great detail what it means to be a part of God's family. Do you know what it means to be a part of God's family? Do you think you know what it means to be a part of God's family? Let's be sure. Here's what John writes in 1 John. We're at the tail end of chapter 2. We're starting in verse 28. If you have your Bible, I'd love to ask you to follow along with me. John writes this. Now, dear children, continue in him in Jesus, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Now everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he may take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in Jesus keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot 
go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or their sister. We are going to talk about that. There is some strong, definitive language here, and we must talk about it. We must talk about what John is saying and what John is not saying. If you distill this down to its essence, oh, this is good news. John is saying that when you become a Christian, when you become a Christian, you are born of God. You are a child of God, and if you are a child of God, you will imitate your father. Oh, we've got to talk about this, church family. We've got to talk about this. I have two children of my own, a daughter, Lily, five years old, a son, Luke, two years old. When I see my children and how they get to be so carefree, how they see the world, how they play in their innocence... I think to myself, man, it is good to be a child. It is good to be a kid. I know there's some kids in here today. Sometimes life is rough. I get that, kids. But, but a lot of times we adults look back and we say, man, it's good to be a child, man, for so many reasons. My daughter, Lily, again, five, just last week was in the other room coloring. She comes storming into the room I'm in. She comes, she's, she's mad. She's like, hmm, hmm. Takes me like five seconds to like, what's, what's wrong, honey? What's, what's wrong? Hmm, well, I'm drawing a picture and I need light blue and all we have is aqua. And she's mad at this. This has ruined her whole afternoon. In the evening, like five hours later, we talk about what we were thankful for during the day, my daughter, five-year-old Lily, says, you know what I'm not thankful for? The fact that we didn't have that aqua crayon. Grandma and Grandpa have aqua. We don't have aqua. We only have light blue. Ruin the day. It is good to be a child, isn't it? That's the worst thing that happens in your day. It is good to be a child. Let's talk about some of the positive ways. That it is good to be a child again for so many reasons. Do you have an awareness that children see the world differently? Our children look at the world differently than we do adults. With an innocence and a joy, it's just difference. My goodness, it's good to be a child. Children will inherit everything that their parents have. It's good to be a child. If you are a child, you are safe in the household of your parents. As long as you remain in the household of your parents, there is nothing that our children have to worry about. It's good to be a child. Sometimes we, we, we adults, we parents, we look and we say, man, I, I wish I could go back. I wish I could be a child again. Do you want to hear the good news? You're a kid. You're a child. We are all children. I am a child 
of God. And I swear that when I'm having a bad day, when something goes wrong in my life, the only thing I need to do is look up to the heavens and say, I am a child of God. Turns a bad day into a better day. Amen. Is that something that gets you excited? If you are a Christian today, by the way, if you're here and you are not a Christian, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I hope you see Jesus Christ in us. If you are a Christian, you're a child. And I am a child of God. And if you are as excited about that as I am, I invite you to just say that along with me. On the count of three, I'm a child of God. One, two, three. I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. I can't wait to explore what it means to be a child of God with you this morning. To be born of God. How often do you think about that? Let's think about it today. John introduces that phrase here in verse 29. And if you are taking notes in your Bible, I highly encourage you to do that. Would you please circle the word born wherever you see it? Here once in verse 29 and twice in chapter 3, verse 9. Circle that word born. What a beautiful, perfect analogy for becoming a Christian. To be born, to be born. John didn't invent this. His tiny human mind could never come up with an analogy so perfect. Do you know who invented the analogy of being born to putting their trust in Jesus Christ? It was Jesus. Jesus gave us this perfect analogy, but John recorded it first in his gospel. In the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Very, very important. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So back to 1 John, if you are taking notes, you may want to write John 3, 3, right there in the margin just to help you see the connection for all of time. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So what does it mean to be a child of God? It means you see things differently. It means you see things differently. Let's go back to the analogy. Have you ever been around a a newborn And they do that thing that I think is the cutest thing that newborns do when they see something that surprises them. And they do that thing where they get startled and they go, right? You ever seen that in babies? Do you know, can you process that everything that children are seeing for the, everything that infants see, they're seeing for the first time. Can you imagine that? Everything you see, you are seeing for the first time. I hope we can imagine that. Because when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and his blood and what it bought us, when we believe the reality that is written about in the 66 books of the Bible... 
you and I start to see things differently. This is a perfect analogy. When you become a Christian and accept the reality that Jesus presents us in the Bible, you start to see stuff that you see people differently. You see your neighbors differently. You start to view time differently. The problems in your life and the challenges in your life, oh, Christians see those differently than does the rest of the world. When other people see earthly kingdoms or when other people are so selfish that the only thing they can see is my kingdom, what we Christians see is the kingdom of God. And so I am so excited to say I'm a child of God. If you're excited about that too, you can say it with me again. One, two, three. I am a child of God. You're excited about that. I'm so glad. I know I am. John was excited about it. The Apostle John, 2,000 years ago, was so happy to put pen to paper and tell us about how excited he was to be a child of God. Let's, let's, let's move on to verse, uh, chapter 3. John writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. You can sense John's excitement here about this cosmic, incomprehensible reality. Now, I will say that in ancient Greek, which is what all the New Testament authors wrote in, there was no punctuation. I don't know if you have an awareness of that or not. We had to put punctuation in later on when we translated this into the English language. There's no punctuation in ancient Greek. In fact, the exclamation point wasn't introduced into the language until about the 15th century, I think. I have no idea. Much later than John was writing. But if John would have had access to exclamation points, I think he probably would have used them here. Because he was very excited about the reality of being a prince of heaven. So what does it mean to be a child of God? It means our Father loves us. You, you, He loves you. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, whatever you want to call it, the adoption papers are signed. You become a child of God. You become an heir to everything that God has. The one that wove together the fabric of the universe wants to adopt you as his child. You become an heir of all of that. You are a trust fund kid of God. I am too. Now in the next two verses, John's going to elaborate on all of this. Listen to what John says. Now, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, Jesus. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been yet made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall, we shall be like him, for we shall see. There's that word again. We shall we shall see Jesus as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves 
just as he is pure. Now, this is so very important. What does it mean to be a child of God? It means that we are no longer children of this world. If we desire to be children of God, princes and princesses of heaven, it means we must no longer be children of this world. Our world has separated itself so far from its creator that we don't recognize the one who created this. And so when you are born, when, some, when, 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 a, when a little girl or a little boy is born, it is something brand new. It is something brand new. And the world doesn't know what to do with its creator, so the world doesn't know what to do about us, his children. John puts it like this in his gospel, John 1.10. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So children of sin, they don't recognize Jesus. Children of sin don't recognize their creator. Jesus, you got to understand, made all of this. Jesus made all this. Jesus made all of this. But in Eden, you and I started walking a different path. And from that moment until now, we have strayed so far from our creator that we don't even know him or recognize him do you get the sense do you have an understanding of why somebody who desires to be a child of god needs to be reborn do you understand why we must be reborn out of a sin nature and into a him nature that's how different the way of the world is than the way of god Verse 2 here says, when Christ appears, we shall be like him. And if you're taking notes, would you please underline, we shall be like him. Shall be. Shall be. Now we said it a minute ago, that when you're born, it's something brand new. Not completely though, right? When a little boy, when a little girl is, is born, they are brand new. They've never been in this world before, but it's not completely brand new because there's a family resemblance. Amen. So it is with Christians. When we are born anew of God, there must be a family resemblance. My kids, they look like me. For better or usually for worse, they act like me and they pick up on my personality traits. For us children of God, there's no doubt we look like Jesus. And not, this is so important, not just for the future. Like it says in verse 2, there's something that is so metaphysical, something that our tiny human brains can't understand to such an extent. John actually calls it out. We have no idea 
what this even means or what it will what it will look like, but we know that when Jesus Christ reappears, we're going to look like him. We're going to change. We're going to be affected. But not just in the future because then John goes on in verse 3 to make it very clear that we Christians, we purify ourselves. So we just don't become like Jesus automatically someday when he returns from day one of us being reborn into the family of God. We start looking more and more like Jesus every day. We've been reborn into purification. Away from sin. Away from sin. Let's talk about sin. John writes this, starting in verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he, Jesus, appeared so that he may take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. We've got to talk about this. Are you okay talking about it? We've got to talk about this as a church family. What does it mean to be a child of God? It means living under your dad's roof. It means living under your dad's roof. Make no mistake. Would you all help me out and help me finish this statement? As long as you are living under my roof, you will follow my... We don't like the word rule, do we? We don't like the word rule. In our culture, we don't like rules. When I was a kid, I didn't like rules. When I was living under my parents' roof. I didn't like rules. We have some kids with us today. Maybe, maybe if you right now are living under your parents' roof, you don't like their rules either. Sometimes in the Christian faith, we don't like to talk about God's rules. I'm here to tell you today that God's word has some rules in it. Amen? Yes, it does. The Bible is not a book about rules, but it certainly has some rules in it, and if you need some help and, and you, you need some guidance on that, Pastor Chris is fond of calling rules guardrails, and I like that term. So whether you call them rules or guardrails, whatever you have to do, they are a very, very good thing. I didn't like rules when I was a kid. Now that I'm a parent, love them. Love rules. Rules are the best. My goodness. You, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 and and I, I recognize every day that, that, that my kids, but, but rules. You, you, you know why I like rules so much? Because I'm a dictator? Because I enjoy reprimanding my kids when they break the rules? Is that why I enjoy rules? Not at all. I love rules because rules help keep my kids safe. The rules that my wife and I have established in our household help our kids survive and to thrive and to grow. I wonder why our Father has rules for us. Amen. I am so proud to say that I am a child 
of God because I live under my dad's roof. I follow God's rules. I wonder what God's rules are for. Now, now circle that phrase, sin is lawlessness, there in verse 4 if you are taking notes. Sin is lawlessness because here is the moment in time where we need to be very careful about what this verse is saying and what it's not saying. And somebody absolutely needs to hear this today. Is John writing saying that if you are a child of God right now and you sin one time and you mess up, God is going to kick you out of the household? Is that what John is writing here? No. Absolutely not. All children break the rules from time to time. All children break the rule from time to time, and I'm a child of God. And when their loving parents help them to see that they have broken a rule and place themselves in danger, ideally, that child's not going to break that rule again. And so if you're a Christian today, you will sin. You're going to mess up from time to time. And John himself, in this letter, makes a provision for that. In chapter 2, verse 1, John says, When you sin, you have an advocate. What's the advocate's name? Jesus Christ. We have an advocate when we sin. But Christians, here's the deal. Somebody needs to hear this too. We don't want to sin. We will mess up from time to time. We will fall short of God's glory and perfection. But we don't want to sin. And certainly, we will not, will not, live a lifestyle of sin and lawlessness. Do you understand what John is saying and what he is not saying? I, I, I want to be as blunt as John is right now. If there is somebody who claims to be a Christian and is living a lifestyle of lawlessness and unrepentant sin, if there is somebody who's living like they have never met Jesus Christ, there is a very good chance that that person has never met Jesus Christ. Those are not my words. That is straight from John. And I love you too much not to highlight it and emphasize it unapologetically. What are these verses saying and what are they not saying? Let's continue reading verses 7 and 8. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is right. Just as Jesus is right or righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So we can live in God's household or we can live in Satan's household. It's a choice we have to make. It's black and white. It's not shades of gray. We have to make a choice. Whose kid are we? Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Please understand that John here is talking about unrepentant sin, a lifestyle 
of unrepentant sin. Those who love Jesus will fall short from time to time. Someone needs to hear that. In fact, a very wise person once said about a verse like this, about the people in his life that were worried about a verse like this, and what is going through my mind sometimes is, oh my gosh, when I sin, when I fall short, am I kicked out of the household of God? The way my mentor put it to me is, if you are concerned about your sin, it is probably a very good indication that you are indeed in the household of God. And Jesus Christ is your advocate for sin. And you don't need to worry about anything. But I also want to close with this. And proclaim this word from John who wrote this 2,000 years ago very unapologetically. Verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now this verse is going to propel us into what we will be discussing next week. Next week's message is a love story. It's a love story. This week's message is a love story. God wants to adopt you as his child. You are a princess. You are a prince. But we have got to unabashedly look at this reality that John presents before us today. Whose kid are you? Are you a child of God or are you a child of the world? Because it is very easy to tell. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, is what John is writing here. It is so easy to tell whose child we are by how we speak and how we act and what our social media wall looks like and how we love our neighbor. That's how we can tell whose household we are living in. I don't know about you, but... I'm a child of God. I want to be a child of God, which means I want my words and my actions to reflect dad. I want my social media wall to reflect my love of my father. I want my love of my neighbors and how I treat my neighbors to reflect what I believe my salvation looks like. Today, are you excited to be a child of God? Are you excited that you have everlasting life? Are you excited that the power of the Holy Spirit rests in you and you can move mountains and walk on water? And that is nothing. Those are parlor tricks compared to the power of everlasting life, which not only you have, but you have the ability to pass along to others. That's what it means to be a child of God. Are you excited about that today? Would you say it with me one more time? One, two, three. I am a child of God. Let's pray about it. Oh, Father God, the assurance, 
the assurance, the blessed assurance that we are living in your household and nothing can tear us apart from your love is divine. Hey, Dad, thank you. When we fall down and skin our knee, would you heal us? When we make a bad decision, Lord God, would you love us? Father God, when we need a time out, would you give us a time out, Dad? Never let us go. Never leave us, never forsake us. We know you won't because you promised us. Lord God, keep drawing us in deeper into holiness, deeper into discipleship. Father God, help us to grow. Help us not just to survive, but help us to thrive. And on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord Jesus. It is in his precious name that we pray. Amen.